0: Hey, welcome to In Doubt. This week on the show, we talk about suffering. You know, in light of the recent Humboldt tragedy and countless other stories of grief, it's important we take time to consider how we, as Christians, should grieve.
1: For me, this is how I understand when I suffer. I think to myself that a good and loving God would never have allowed me to walk through this were it not that he is interested in some eternal long-term good for me.
0: Hey, it's Isaac here, host of In Doubt. With me on the show again, is Jake. That's two weeks in a row.
2: Yeah, I know. Here at <laughs> Doubt, we're about giving the people what they want. It's mm-hmm. true. So, We've just been well, delivering.
0: We've gotten a flood of people saying, Man, who was that other voice? Who is that guy named Jake? We need him back on. Tsunami of emails came Tsunami. in. Tsunami. <laughs> oh
2: totally. Dozens. <laughs> Anyways, tens of emails. Tens of tens.
0: Um, how are you doing,
2: Jake? Um, I'm good. Yeah, doing well. Nice. It's been a week, I guess, since I've been <laughs> here, but it's it's been good. Yeah, having a having a good good time.
0: Well, it's good to have you back on uh, the show with us again, and hopefully we'll have you more and more and more. Uh, but anyways, this week on the show, we are talking about grief and suffering. A year and a half ago, we had Dr. John Newfeld, who is the Bible teacher for Back to the Bible Canada, and Clint Nelson, who is a local church pastor, with me to talk about how we can grieve well as Christians. Uh, and it was certainly timely, um, but today, a year and a half later, obviously, suffering still um, exists, people continue to get sick, people continue to die, people continue to face you know, indescribable injustice, and it's essential that we as Christians, we suffer well and lead others to the same, and we do believe that the Bible does speak into that. So if you're a Canadian listener, you've definitely heard the news of the tragedy in Saskatchewan recently where uh, the bus carrying the Humboldt Broncos hockey team crashed and, and there were multiple deaths. And, you know, it's normal to ask questions about God in times like these. And, uh, in fact, the chaplain of the hockey team, Sean Brando, and many people have seen his sort of address given on the Sunday night. Uh, He says this, though, quote, There's two big questions that get raised when this happens. Why and where? Why did this happen? I would love to stand up here as a spiritual leader and say that I have all the answers, but I don't. I don't know why. The second question is where? Where was God? That question has two answers. God is on the throne and God is with the brokenhearted. We know that God is on the throne. Jesus walked this earth, he died, he was buried, he rose again. It says in the scripture that he is now seated at the right hand of the Father in control of setting up our leaders, putting people in the place where they need to be at just the right time for just the right purpose, making sure that things line up according to his plan. I don't claim to understand how this seems like it's in God's control at all, but it is. He's still on the throne, he's still God. You know, I ask the question, as you look at God on the throne, it's easy to look at God from a distance, but the second part of that question of where is God is that he's with us." Uh, You can read that full transcript at mcleans.ca and I can provide that link on the episode page. So, Jake and I are going to listen to some clips from the conversation between Dr. John Clint and myself, and then after that, we'll come back and chat. When it comes to suffering, uh, when Christians um, suffer, often many Christians struggle with this idea of a good and loving God um, and their suffering. Um, Whether it's a spontaneous, shocking suffering or slow suffering, they get confused. Well, how how can God be good if if I'm suffering? So how do you counsel people through that as pastors when someone comes up to you, explains their suffering, and they're struggling with that question of, reconciling a good God with suffering?
1: I mean, first of all, I think whenever suffering happens to an individual, the first response, the pastoral response, is not to respond, but simply to be there, to pray with, uh, to assure the individual you're not going to leave them in the lurch, that they'll always be surrounded by people if they need them, if they need time to simply be alone. We want to listen carefully to their own response to their suffering and respond rather than bring in an I- agenda. So. To me, the first question is never, how do you answer their big question? The first is, how does one simply be loving and gracious and stand with them as they suffer?
0: Right. And I think we were talking earlier this morning about Job, and you said the best thing that his friends did was (laughs) the first week where they just sat with him and didn't say anything.
1: Yeah. I mean, if they'd never opened their mouths, it might have been a good experience. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, But eventually, of course, what happens is Job says something that sets one of them off. So Bildad is very upset with what Job has said, and then intervenes to correct him. And I think there's something to be learned from that. Uh, Sometimes in the midst of suffering, people will say things, and the good and godly lover of the soul of the person who's suffering may not intervene at that point in time and simply say, these are things that a person needs to say. There will be a time when we talk about that, but maybe not in the immediate. I think that's good counsel.
3: I think, yeah, the context is key in all of that. You want to figure out where, where they're coming from theologically, uh, the nature of their loss or their, their grieving, their suffering. And uh, you want to then sensitively, yet truthfully and lovingly mm-hmm. um, engage them right. and um, be present with them. I think of Lazarus and uh, um, the the friends and the family there, We you know, weeping and, and uh, grieving the loss uh, of him. Right. And Jesus doesn't come and correct their theology immediately he just comes and he cries with them I mean he knows what's in store and what will come but he's just present with them and he cries with them that's that that's a Christian response to and the immediate response the first step to suffering to loss is is to grieve with those who grieve
0: and I think you know as we were talking even before uh you made the point where it's like it's not as though you know if suffering happens it's suffering will happen as well.
1: I think that's a part of basic Christian discipleship. You know, As a pastor, you know, both Clint and I, we've uh, been in that pastoral ministry. We need to prepare people in advance that it's not that they might suffer in some time. The point that I think we need to do is that every single human being will suffer. It is unavoidable, and somehow we need to train people before they arrive there that this is indeed what they will face one day.
3: I'm excited that we're having this talk because many people do not like to talk about death. They don't like to talk about suffering or grief. And yet, a healthy biblical understanding of suffering, it changes the way that you grieve. It changes the way that you process it and see it and walk through it. It's dramatically different depending on what your theology is about uh, the nature of suffering.
0: John, when you think of how to, how to grieve well, what, what comes to our mind?
1: Well, I know that grieving, as we experience it, there are certain markers for a believer that help us, I think, through the process. It's not that we don't grieve. I think we need to face our loss and deeply understand it. I mean, I think that's, that's just basic, but while we're going through it, I think there are certain things that we need to remember. One of the things that makes sense to me at time of grief is that in my grieving, I am called upon, what Paul says, to fill up the sufferings of Christ. He talks about that in Philippians chapter uh, 2, is, I think. it. Oh, I'm sorry, it's in Colossians. Now, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Now, there's a number of ways to understand that, but one of the ways that I think we can understand it is that in his mercy, God is allowing us to experience suffering so that when we think of the sufferings of Christ, we'll begin to understand them personally. Because unlike Christ, I mean, our suffering happens simply because we live in this broken and fallen world, Christ chose to suffer. And when I think about that, now having experienced suffering myself, I begun to realize what he did on my behalf. So, in his mercy, God has allowed me to suffer so that I might understand the great love of God for me. That's helpful for me to at least begin to say, this has some redemptive features in my life.
0: So, I guess uh, a a healthy grief leads you closer to the gospel and Jesus um, than an unhealthy grief would just lead you to anger, frustration, I guess, uh, compared to leading you to Jesus.
1: Yeah, I think that's what I, I, I'm saying. I think that as I now think about the grief that Jesus felt, mm-hmm. or, or when Paul talks about Epaphrodites and, and he didn't die, and then he writes in Philippians, uh, you know, God prevented me from having sorrow upon sorrow. So you get a sense of an already grieving apostle who was about to be hit with a grief that was more than he could bear. Mm-hmm. And then he thanks God that, This grief wasn't added upon the other that I already had. So when I read that, I I think I begin to identify with an apostle who understood grief so well and so intimately.
3: And part of understanding suffering in light of God is recognizing that God doesn't like to uh, allow suffering to happen. But there's always that bigger aspect of life to the eternal component to suffering. And uh, I know I had lots of people ask me or wonder, like, you know, there's so many people praying for you and for your wife. Why didn't God heal her? You know, those kinds of questions. And my response is always, well, God's got something bigger up his sleeve. You know, like there's something in this in this process, that will come out of this, whether or not I ever understand that, whether or I ever see that, I have no idea. I mean, only God knows that. And that's where it comes to trusting in his character and his plans and his, um, his promises for us in the light of eternity. And uh, just coming back to that.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I remember thinking, I think it was a year ago, and I just thought, okay, well, God cares more uh, about my eternal destiny than he does about my immediate feelings. And thinking of that in all of your daily circumstances really helps because it's like, I'm feeling bad, I'm suffering, I'm in pain. It's like, well, God's working in me for my eternal destiny rather than right for this second.
3: Exactly, and 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 through your life in others' lives as well. I mean, he wants to, to use your life to be a blessing to others. And so uh, who knows how God will use uh, our pain, our loss uh, to help others uh, in and through.
1: One of my favorite verses has always been Romans 8, 28, God causes all things to work together for the good to those who love him. And and for me, this is how I understand when I suffer. I think to myself that a good and loving God would never have allowed me to walk through this were it not that he is interested in some eternal long-term good for me. Now, I don't know in the immediate, and I think that's why I've really appreciated, Clint, what you just said, and that is... You didn't ask the question of why, you asked the question of how long. I think we do well to defer the question of why. There is a time in the future when we will know why. We just won't know that now, but it does provide us some source of comfort to know that God is altogether sovereign. And this suffering that I'm going through is redemptive in the long term. And just to cling to that, we don't have to know why, we don't have to know how it's redemptive. We just need to believe that it is redemptive. That's, I think, key for much suffering.
0: Obviously, many listeners are suffering right now, but there's also a lot of listeners as well that are that are, are not, but they have friends and family members who come to them with their sufferings. And I guess the next question that I think would be good to address is a very practical one in that, and I mean, I, I'm, we've already kind of touched on, on the sort of, I guess, the meat of it, but h- how do we respond to someone who's come to us um, and has shared their suffering, uh, how, what is the best way that we can, I guess, bring them closer to Jesus, obviously, and, and help them grieve in a good way without minimizing the issue, uh, but bringing them closer to Jesus?
3: I, hope it ha- I think it helps to know uh, that grief is natural. Uh, it's a natural response in light of the condition that we are in as, 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 as humanity, uh, in that there is the loss of something good. And that should grieve us. I think it grieves God. Uh, he created all things good. He gives all good things, and so um, you know, there's a loss of something that is that is good, and it's natural to grieve. I think it's why Jesus wept uh, when um, he heard and saw um, uh, the family of Lazarus uh, weeping and struggling with the loss of their brother, and and that's the same same thing there. You to understand because I I think in my own natural fleshly response to someone that's grieving. Uh, I'm not, in in my nature, I am not a very pastoral person. I just think, okay, these are the facts, this is what happened, let's move on. And yet, it's completely uh, healthy, it's completely good for us to recognize, hey, I've lost something that was good, and I'm grieving the loss of something that is good. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then you also, like we've been talking about, you move on to the next thing, well, what do I do with this? oh right, there's even better news out there. There's good news in store and that is that God will, can redeem yeah. and, and will redeem uh, this situation. And uh, that's the good news, the, the silver lining to the, those dark days.
1: Isaac, I'd like to also bring something else up that we haven't yet at this point in time. And that is there is an aspect of suffering that causes us to disattach ourselves from our love of this world. I mean, in the end, we will lose everything that this world has to offer. Um, And so it is to arm ourselves that God has ultimately created us for eternity and for his presence, and that what we are going through at this point in time in our suffering will eventually break our attachment to all things. We're talking about uh, about some of this before this began. And, and you'll remember, Isaac, that one of the conversations that we had is I, I was explaining the, the death of my own father. A- and as he was dying, I'd come into his room and I'd say, dad, it's raining outside today. And I remember him saying, you know, John, that's fine. I've lost my interest in all things in this world and I have my eyes so on eternity at this moment. And I remember thinking about that perspective and and what that would be but he seemed to have grasped it so completely and utterly that he wasn't anymore, although he had, but he had come now to the place where he was not mourning the loss of all things in this world anymore. Indeed, he'd already given them up. And in the end, I think, uh, when we stand before the precipice of eternity, each one of us will. Um, that's my prayer for myself. Oh God, give me such a love in the world to come and such a willingness to break all attachment here. Um, to me, that is a part of the, the process.
0: Jake, what do you do when a young adult comes to you? And for those who don't know, you are a young adult pastor as well as a yes. young pastor. So, yeah. what do you do when a young adult comes to you and shares their grief?
2: Um, I think and what's really important, like what, what those guys said and really started out with theirs is a really, really important thing. and I think something that's very simple um, is just to spend some time with them in, in that, in, in their grief and be there um, and maybe that's even just sitting with them in silence. Um, maybe that's as they weep, just just being there and them and th- them knowing that you're there. Because I think what can be really detrimental for them, more so in those times, is is them coming to you and talking to you about something that's probably pretty fresh. Um, and you saying something like, oh, it's you know, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be this. And like trying to convince them of that sort of stuff instead of just going and, and being humble enough to go, this this person is is hurting. Um and it's deep and it's real. Um, and I want them to understand that I um, I don't know what they're going through um, at the moment because that's very specific to them. But I understand that you are hurting. Um, and that also, in a way, hurts me too. And I, and I grieve alongside of you and, and just be there for them.
0: That's really good. You know, it, you, it makes me think of uh, the time when my grandpa passed away. And it was a few years ago now. But at that moment, when he passed away in the hospital, I got the surge of like, I grabbed like his Bible and my grandma was there and my mom was there and I just opened and I started reading revelation like about, you know, the new heavens, uh, where there'd be no tears and all that kind of stuff. And I realized kind of after that it sort of fell flat. And the reason was, is because I tried to like, just be all like spiritual and be like, it's okay guys, we don't need to grieve. Like this is where he's at right now. And it's true. That is so true. But at the same time, it's like. I think we just needed to like all be in silence. Yeah. So I and, agree with you say.
2: Yeah. And I think too, um, what's important to understand is like, yeah, it's great to have that understanding and, and maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that, about like, you know, heaven and, and new earth and all that sort of thing. That's great and that's encouraging, but that doesn't mean that you can't be sad because in a sense, um, someone has been lost and they're not there with you in that moment in time and, and their presence isn't. Really, there, you know, like that—that that you can talk to them or hug them or, right. or that sort of thing—and that's okay. And you saw that, and even Jesus, you know, thought that was okay. Because what does he do when he, you know he, Mary comes up to him and says that Lazarus is dead, and he sees how how you know grief-stricken she is, and he weeps, you know, and and he cries. And this is the guy who knows who's literally told them beforehand that like, no, it's <laughs> going to be okay. Like, right, I understand. Right. But he's still there. He weeps because it's sad, because Lazarus, in in some sense, has died. Yeah. And he's gone for that moment, you know? Um, and that's hard for people, and that's okay.
0: Yeah, that's good. You know, it's interesting. Uh, a great verse uh, is in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 4. And uh, really, it's we he, pretty much Paul is uh, saying, you know, praise to the God of all comfort who's comforted me so that, that I can go now comfort. Others, and I think it's important too that when someone comes up and you know shares their grief with you, you have to be at a place. If you if you want to be a mature Christian, you have to be at a place where you have rested in uh, the fact that you've been comforted by God. If you if you're not comforted, if you feel like you're suffering and you're not able to give anything, then you won't be able to give anything. And you're, you're just going to give pat answers and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, as you're saying, the fact that you can just sort of be silent with them and just listen to them, it, that takes strength to do that. And I think that'll be a lot easier when you recognize the comfort that God has given you, the Father has given you, so that you can now go and comfort others with that. So recognize and rejoice in the comfort you receive from the Father, and then go and comfort others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Romans eight twenty eight, 28, which uh, John brings up, which is sort of the, uh, I've heard it said that the, it is the John 3, 16 for Christians, <laughs> in a sense. It's like the go-to verse. Like, this yeah. is the best verse, which if you have not heard it, it is, uh, for we know that all, this is sort of a paraphrase, but the idea is, we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And really, that's a bedrock when it comes to suffering and grief, because after you kind of get over that hump of you know sitting with people and or going through suffering yourself and just kind of going through that grieving period, there has to come a time, whether it's in an hour, a day, a week, a year, there has to come a time where you can actually rest in the fact that all things, including this event that happened that caused grief, is for the good of you from God.
2: Yeah, and 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 it's important because there's I think there's a there's a healthy grief like a good and, and natural. Um, And then I think like what they were saying too is that, but this grief can, can, can go on for so long and you can dwell in it and and live in it that it becomes despair. And, and what happens with despair is that you're stripped of hope. Right. And it starts affecting your lifestyle and it it starts affecting your, your outlook on things. So I think. Um, it's important to come back to that place, and I think that that's where Jesus was. You know, he did grieve, but that he did also have that hope, and like it's going to be okay because you know I'm gonna I'm gonna raise him from the dead. Like he'll be, you know, he's gonna be lifted up. Yeah. Um, and I think we really need to 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 stay focused on that. That that there's something more than than this period of time, and it's okay to be in this period of time, but there's there's something outside of this as well, something to to move towards.
0: So how do you then? Sort of as a pastor, and this is really to anybody because we can all be pastoral in some ways. But how do you then you notice sort of someone in despair? How do you sort of slowly begin to draw them out of that despair and into hope?
2: I think you really just have to encourage them to be hopeful. Right. I think the most incredible thing about this um, terrible tragedy with the humble Broncos is as, as we were talking about before, Isaac, is that um. This was a team that that was centered around Christ. Like their their coach taught them about Christ. They had this chaplain who spoke who, yeah. who spoke to them about Christ, and hopefully they knew Him and accepted Him. And as they did, that that there's a future for their parents as they uh, you know accept Christ themselves. That they will be reconciled to one another, right. that they will see them again, that it is tough while they're not here, but that there's something so much more and that eternal you know, weight of glory will just make this stuff just pale in comparison. And I don't think you go towards this thing of trying to make them feel like this is nothing now. That's not the point. Yeah. But the point is not that, but how amazing it will be um, in the future. And that they're not, you know, they're not just gone. Yeah, you know, but they're, they're they're with Christ in that time. It can be hard, I guess, to um, at times whether or not that person did have a relationship with Christ or not. Um, but then I think you just sort of encourage them in that way too, that there's something more for you as well um, than the suffering that you're experiencing right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I think it's that's that's awesome, and I think it's in Second Corinthians Paul makes mention of this fact, saying that though our outer lives are wasting away our inner lives are being renewed day by day and then he pretty much says like don't focus completely on the momentary affliction that you're experiencing right now because it's there's going to be this weighty uh, wait, weighty weighty weight of glory.
2: <laughs> yeah, I actually have it right here. Yeah, okay, I pull up. Yeah, okay. I you, you know what? You, uh, I'm brutalizing it. 2 so Corinthians four seventeen and 18. And it says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Yeah. As we look not to things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal.
0: Yeah, so good. That You said it way better than I did. Well, the Bible said it way better the Bible, sorry, than that. me. But. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, something else, too. You know, thinking about the church in Thessalonica, uh, when Paul writes to them, uh, you, you sort of understand that there is this concern they had uh, with those in their church or whatever surrounding who have died. And the way that Paul encourages them is really cool. He says this in chapter 4, verse 13, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep. So that's sort of saying people that have died. That you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Uh, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. And then he goes on to say that those who are dead in Christ, when Jesus comes back, they're going to rise first. So there is there's hope there. And at the very end of this section in verse 18 of chapter 4 in First Thessalonians, it says, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And that's such a straight command to be like when we are suffering, specifically when it comes to Christians who have passed, which passed away, who are many of us here. Uh, the, one of the ways that we can encourage one another is to say, "Hey, they're asleep." Yeah. That's kind of radical. That's a radical way to think. They are asleep, and when Christ
2: comes back, they will be risen first, which is very hopeful. I think a really powerful thing as we sort of end that, I heard Timothy Keller say one time, is that you know this, this promise that we've been given through God of you know, new life, um, it's not a consolation prize. It's not like, here's something that, sorry for all that bad things that happened, and now this is to make you feel better because you went through bad things. What he says, no, it's a complete renewal. It's reconciliation. It's all these things that in some way that all that stuff that has happened becomes, he used the word, untrue. That, that death, that they're no longer dead, that that suffering no longer exists, that it's, it's not those things, but it's a new reality. And you're taken from that into something new and it's resurrected.
0: That's awesome. Uh, Thanks, Jake. I appreciate uh, your time today for sure. Um, As we approach the end of today's show, I just want to let you know that we have um, some exciting conversations and guests coming on. Some of the topics and issues we'll be addressing in the near future are uh, biblical manhood and womanhood, uh, the story of the Bible, transgenderism, progressive Christianity. Uh, we're also gonna be talking with a Christian biologist on a new documentary he's produced called The Riot and the Dance, which is literally the Christian version of BBC's Planet Earth. It's awesome. Hey, if you're listening and you're interested in financially supporting In Doubt because we are a charity, we're a nonprofit, uh, you know, we don't charge for anything that we do. Um, that would be awesome if you would do that. So every dollar counts really to keep our ministry going, just click the donate button, then the I listen to Indout option at Indout.ca if you live in Canada, or Indout.com if you live in the States. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram throughout the week. I'm looking at you. Jake, do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and Jake. We'd love to hear from Jake. Well, I'm Isaac. I'm Jake. And next week we hear from a Christian hip-hop artist that's doing something crazy. His name is Timothy Brindle. Um, and I'll let you know what it is next week when we talk with him. Looking forward to it. We'll see you then.